Hey everybody, this is Nate. And this is Justin. From Pertnear Sandstone. And you're listening to Road to Blue Ox. Nate, it's the second season and the sixth year of Blue Ox. That's right, that's right. We got the lineup announced. Tickets are on sale. We are excited and getting ready for the festival more and more every day here as we approach June. Yeah, and like last year, we started this project in January when the snow is on the ground and it seems like everything's miles and miles away. But yeah, it starts early and it comes quick. We got a great interview on this episode with legendary Dobro player Jerry Douglas. We were so lucky to have him join us in Duluth and in Minneapolis this past fall. Actually, early winter, fall. It was snowy in Duluth. Yeah, it was November. It was November. It was pretty cold. I think it would qualify as winter in a lot of people's minds. It was snowy in Duluth, and I think we even had snow down here, too. Two amazing shows, one at the North Shore, one at First Avenue, and man, we couldn't believe how down-to-earth and great he was. Yeah, he just jumped in with us, became a member of our band for the weekend, and loved it. Like, really loved hanging out with us. We, of course, cherished every one of his stories. He's just such a gregarious, good-natured guy. We were able to chat with him from his home in Nashville while we're in the cold basement dungeon of Justin's house <laughs> with it's his two really kids. It's really glamorous. Hey, Ray, you want to say something? There's two little kids here with us, too. No? I'm going to bet that, that Ray doesn't want to say anything. Maybe Louie, what are you building, Lou? Yeah. Well, what's this? It's a Lincoln Log Cabin thing. Okay. More from them out. later. <laughs> yeah, we can edit all that out. <laughs> Just kidding, buddy. Fly on, little birdie, fly on. Fly on, little birdie, fly on. This year, June 11, 12, and 13th in the beautiful Whispering Pines campground of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. We have some old favorites coming back like Green Sky Bluegrass, of course Sam Bush, the infamous String Dusters, another appearance from Yonder Mountain String Band. First timers Government Mule will join us this year, headlining one of the nights. Oh man, it's, it's going to be fun to watch them. Sam Bush will make his return after having to be out last year due to health problems, but he's excited and we're excited to have him back and try and rope him up on stage with us as well as Jerry. Charlie Crockett is our representing our country western wing of things this year. Excited to have him. You should definitely check him out before the time comes. Also this year coming back is the Henhouse Prowlers with Tony Trishka. The Henhouse Prowlers, of course, doing their bluegrass ambassadorship all over the world. Literally, they have been traveling Cambodia, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, all over the world spreading the bluegrass. Uh, they'll be returning this year with legendary banjo player Tony Trishka. Very excited about that one. Good buddies of ours from the Chicagoland area. Them Cooley boys, of course, are helping prep the grounds right now. Uh, they're out there slaving away with the Bishels, shoveling snow, building things. We love them. They put out their new album this year to much acclaim. It's been fun watching them travel. Armchair Boogie, local Madison boys who are killing it right now, and we are excited to have them back. We were lucky enough to play uh, a show down in Fayetteville, Arkansas, with new friends of ours, the Arkansas, who are just total pickers and shredders and yeah. down-to-earth good guys. We met them out at Floyd Fest last year, and 
just uh, jived with them really well, so we were down to play their CD release party down in Fayetteville, and it's going to be great to have them up in our neck of the woods. Here's one from them off their new album, Maybe Someday, a track called Time, Tears, and Money. Oh, we were criminals right from the start. 
was saved but We were criminals right from the start Oh, what a blunder When the foundation was laid We were criminals right from the start Yeah, we were criminals right from the start And that was Arkansas. Make sure you catch them out at the festival. This year, I'm also super excited to have the legendary Shack Shakers joining us. They put on a, such a cool show. We played with them in Rotterdam, the Rotterdam Bluegrass Festival. Yeah, that was a wild time. A few years ago, and caught up with them again in Amsterdam. One of my favorite songwriters that I discovered in the past year or two is Lily May. She'll be there this year, likely with her full band. I got to see her open up for the Cactus Blossoms at First Avenue this year and was just totally blown away. Her voice is incredible. Her songwriting is amazing. The lyrics, I mean, just really stoked to have her at Blue Ox this year, too. We got our buddies Kind Country, Feed the Dog, Horseshoes and Hand Grenades, Barbaro. Barbaro, who are uh, releasing an album, actually just have released an album yep. here in January. Called uh, Dressed in Roses, I believe. It's yeah. a really great album. Great songs, great instrumentation. Those guys are, are doing the good work. Our buddies in the High 48s are going to be there. They're representing some traditional bluegrass for sure. Tony Erig, their banjo player presented the banjo workshop last year so i'm hoping to get him involved again this year and we have young banjo prodigy nora brown who's going to be joining us this year on stage but also she'll be presenting a banjo workshop for beginning claw hammer banjoists we'll have more information about the workshops in following episodes of road to blue ox <laughs> so this year we decided to open up the backwoods stage to more music we're going to be running uh, that stage on Friday and Saturday from 11 to 5.30, and it's allowing us to add 10 more bands to the bill, which is great. We've always wanted to have a lot of these people play the festival, but haven't been able to find a lot of room to fit them in. So uh, we're super excited about that. The Bischels are too, and we are uh, really looking forward to highlighting some of their music as well. We're growing. The festival is growing. <clears throat> We'll highlight those acts in future episodes as well and play a bunch of their music. Oh, it looks great, buddy. That's a cool cabin. You're going to build a little bench and fire like you did before? Hey, he's building a little potluck campground jam area. Hey, yep. Well, let's keep this episode rocking. We'll listen to a song from the Jerry Douglas Band from his album Traveler called On a Monday. And then we'll go right into that interview with him. Nobody would go 
Jerry Douglas, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm really good. Getting over a cold. I'm so happy to be shed of it. Are you hanging out in Nashville? I am right now, yeah. I'll be here for a few days. Then I'm going to New York, and then I'm going to uh, the UK. Oh, really? Nice. You are on the road, man. How many days a year do you think you're on the road? I'm afraid to look. <laughs> do you think it's over 200? Yeah. Last year, I'm afraid it was at least 200. Yeah. This year, it looks worse. <laughs> you don't have any control over that either, do you? No. I don't. Well, that word that I just said, I don't say it. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't say no. And I kind of got a deal with my manager that he's going to try to kill me with dates 
for, you know, like four years. And then maybe I won't have to do things that I don't want to do, and I can just do things like hang out with you guys and Duluth and stuff like that. Yeah, that was an amazing time. Well, thank you again. Yeah, we're really glad that you say yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm glad we made it into that four-year window. You're definitely up there, and later on this summer, too. Yeah, it's going to be great, man. We had you last year at the Blue Ox Festival with the Earls of Leicester. Can you tell us at all about forming that group? it's the uh, it's the band that I always wanted to have because I grew up listening to Flat Lester Flat and Earl Scruggs, the Foggy Mountain Boys, and they did music for the Beverly Hillbillies, the Bonnie and Clyde. So much, you know, Earl Scruggs was just a he's the total Jedi master of the banjo, and um, I wanted a band that could play that kind of music because it kind of disappeared from the scene. Right? right, everybody's out doing their own thing, but some forgot where it came from. Sure, these guys were definitely a huge stone in the walkway of bluegrass music, and uh, I just thought I looked around, and nobody was doing it. So I said, "This is the time. I've got, I've got the time and the space to do this, and we can record and do all the stuff." So I thought, oh, "We'll make a cute little record," and everybody, went, "Wow, that was great!" Then we'll just go away, but it didn't happen. Everybody loved it, so we had to do another record. Then we did a live record. It just got out of hand like everything else in my life <laughs> but we were happy to come up there and play with you guys and blue ox i don't know where i was the first time i saw a blue ox poster but it just struck me it was like i want to play there <laughs> that's great sam bush is playing there why can't i play there you know sure and i had a big old band at the time i had horns and all kinds of stuff it would it would have gone up there too well and i'll tell you i'll speak to a little bit to our audience too there's we obviously have a, a wide variety of tastes and um, people are looking for certain things. And we always, I spend way too much time reading comments uh, from from people. You know, you can get bogged down in that stuff, but it's it's great to hear people, you know, they're like, we love the, the, the traditional stuff. Please bring more of that. And, you know, when we booked you guys, we're like, that's perfect. You know, that definitely f- fits that traditional hole and we really we're excited to have you there you're up in that part of the country that they know exactly what the bluegrass that we were playing they knew exactly what that was you know it's like you're in the country and country people are all tuned into that kind of music and that's what they come from you know it's real honest true value music a lot of bang for the buck so they know who those people were so you know there's some old time bluegrassers up there you ought to get them up there on the stage and show show people what the beer joint bluegrass is like we have to we have to be very committed every year to like try and make sure we represent each part of the genre you know yeah well what i saw up there that day it was a little bit of everything it yeah. was nice i enjoyed listening to it i don't even like music so <laughs> <laughs> there's one scene i think the earls were getting ready to play and you know we had the storm that came through the day before and we were yeah, you guys got blasted the day before oh man i was up in front helping sandbag and we were worried the stage was going to wash out and <laughs> There was a dump truck load of dirt that was being dumped while you guys were sound checking, and I just I saw you warming up. You had your finger picks warming up, and you're just you're jamming with the dump truck. I thought it was the coolest <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. Tried to get dude with that damn truck. <laughs> I remember the hydraulics on it kept changing though; couldn't keep it. <laughs> B flat. Yeah. <laughs> 
the, okay, it's going up. Yeah, like everything else. Well, it turned out fine, though. I, I remember a great set there. And oh, yeah. festivals, it was, everybody was coming out of their hiding places from the storm the night before. And it was, there were a lot of people there. There were, yeah. This is our sixth year and it keeps growing. So incrementally, every year we get more and more people coming out and the, the family is increasing. So I saw a couple of chicken suits. Yeah, Bluegrass Chicken Man. He's there every year for sure. <laughs> Shout out to him. Big Chicken Man in the driving rain at Dell Fest. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, it was like you could barely see the audience, but you could see the Chicken Man. <laughs> And then he showed up at your festival, and I saw even another chicken. That guy gets around. And there's some people, some banana people, too. I've seen them at different festivals. Yep. Got Jeff in the tiger suit. (laughs) I met a guy in Japan that he only wore tiger print everything. That's dedication. Yep. The Japanese love to commit themselves to things, and that's very apropos. This guy was a cartoonist. And I also met the guy that invented Mario Brothers there, who was really actually a dobro player. Get out of here. I know, right? <laughs> it was the freakiest thing. They said, there's this fellow wants to meet you, and he's, he's the Mario Brothers guy. And they said, but he's a Dobro player. And I, I said the same thing. Get out of here. That's cool. He was, yeah. He was an amazing small world. I'm going to be thinking of Mario Brothers completely differently now the next time I crack it open. <laughs> yeah, right? Hey, there's a whole record out, dude. A couple friends of mine made a whole record here of nothing but game songs. Bluegrass style. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Oh, I got to check that out. Oh, it's really good. You know Matt Menefee? No, I don't think so. Great banjo player. And uh, and uh, and uh, another fellow. Yeah, I was supposed to play on one, and all oh, I wanted to play on it so bad because you know those things get in your head. It's like it's an earworm, and and you can't get it out. And totally. I really wanted to play on it bad, but I just ran out of time. Maybe volume two will come out, and you'll you'll be featured on there. Yeah, by then I'll be done with the therapy for missing volume one. Yeah. <laughs> When you played in Japan, what was that scene? Was that like a festival thing, or is it club shows? We played in, in huge stand-up places, and they were packed. Uh, it was me with my whole band. Oh, I didn't have the horns, but I had bass drums and electric guitar and fiddle and me. And uh, yeah, it was packed, and they know everything. Okay, so I lived over there for a couple of years, and I experienced their fandom, their f- fanaticism for things. Yeah, when they commit to something, they are all in. And playing anime. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But I have a good friend over there whose name is Taro, and his dad was a pretty prolific banjo player who came over here and played, you know, at that Eastern oh. Tennessee University. Yeah. You know, you made a post about him. Yeah, oh, sob. Yeah, sob. Yeah, so I, I was buddies with his son Taro over there when I lived there. Taro's great, and his sister is a is a great tour manager for a band to go to Japan. Man, how have we not been there yet, Nate? I know. I keep saying to these guys, we have three dudes in our band who have lived over there. So beautiful, you guys, too. You know, so it's tough. Something we might go into the red doing, but certainly an experience that will never be forgotten if we did it, you know. Oh, it's wonderful to play band. Yeah, you'd love it. You'd love it. Have you ever played that little club in Tokyo called the Rocky Top? Yeah. That tiny little room? Yeah, I did I did that with when I was with uh, Buck White and his two daughters, Sharon and Cheryl, the White. We played there. And I remember they had a T-shirt that said something like, oh, man. But it had a chicken. It had a real chicken theme. <laughs> <laughs> and this will be called the Chicken Show. <laughs> yeah. There was a shirt with this chicken on it, and, and it's, the American sayings on them were kind of kind of rough and they said something about uh man looks at woman a marriage style 
you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. On the back of the T-shirt, and we just were going, oh, man. Somebody <laughs> needs to tell them, and I just went, no, don't do it. Yep. That's just what happens, all those T-shirt translations, man. You make a book out of that stuff. In fact, I think somebody has a website devoted to it. Yeah, there must be one out there somewhere. It'd be really fun to read. Absolutely. Yeah, misprint. <laughs> Lost in translation. I played over there with J.D. Crow and Tony Rice and Ricky Skaggs. You know, when, oh, man, I bet they just loved you guys. You know, it's the only time I've had to run to a car because somebody was trying to oh, get a Yep. Wow. And I'm not <laughs> that good looking. <laughs> you know, they would have gotten home with a shirt and just been disappointed. <laughs> it was fun, and we uh, we actually cut the ribbon for the first Kentucky Fried Chicken in Tokyo. Oh, my God. Now it's huge over there. They eat it on Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> America. Yep, here's your chicken. That's better. I'd rather they thought of Kentucky Fried Chicken first when they think of us. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> it could be a lot worse. <laughs> Let's put that on a bumper sticker. Yeah, or a T-shirt and send it over there. Yeah, home of Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> All right, well, how about this? Next time you say yes to a gig in Japan you, and you need a backing band, you know who to call. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I know who to call. I know who to call. And I, now, I know your, now I know your song, so now I can play. So I'm looking forward to the big jam at the festival. Yeah, it was it was so great having you in Duluth and at First Ave. I know, like, we, we people, uh, I spoke with people who are – you know, Jerry Douglas fans first and, and found us yep. through that. And then I know Pertnier fans who were not as familiar with you, but were like, holy crap, that was amazing. Jerry's the best. We kind of were curious as to like your philosophy on teaming up with people like us and Town Mountain and like where did that idea come from? And Are you seeking that out or are groups seeking you out like we did? Well, it's a little of, little of both. I mean, I've got, I've got my ears open all the time and I mean, I wanted to play with you guys. You know, I missed the opportunity when when I was there with the Earls, and I regretted it. So I, when I got to the chance, I jumped at it because uh, I really wanted to see what you guys were all about. And, and Town Mountain the same. And I like. I mean, I think bluegrass music and just music in general is on a general is on an upswing right now, sure. and uh, people are enjoying it more. People are enjoying playing more. They're more good bands and and uh it's like a, a another renaissance <laughs> we have one every 15 20 years right sure and we're in it right now we're in it yeah yeah there, i mean there's so many different groups and and songwriters and people that that you can identify as bluegrass but it's so broad the genre now do you have a uh, like a particular style that you most enjoy tapping into like you do you like going back to the old stuff or do you like taking it out to space or is there like kind of where's your heart at with the music monday monday i did two overdubs with bela for his his new record okay so that's about taking it as far to space as i care to go <laughs> and it took us you know it took us a long time to get a couple of tunes but it was done it was worth it it was right and and it's very complicated but i I really like me and you guys epitomize this uh, the dance the, the kind of like old time dance music kind of thing. I'm sort of reverting back, you know, beyond where my people come from from uh, uh, from the bluegrass bands to the to the porch people. You know, right. get started playing on the porch and get pretty good and go out and start playing the bigger and bigger rooms and but take that music with them and you've got a full-time dancer for God's sake. So <laughs> yeah. it, that's just 
part of that's going to be part of what happens up there, and, it, and that jives with me uh, to be able to dance to it. You know, some of my songs get a little weird, go to five eight and some weird stuff like that, and that that messes with the dancers a little bit. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't. They just dance right through it, just like it's four four all the way. You know. Yep. <laughs> Talk about time signatures, but you know, you could yeah play in five. I, I played a song once at a at a casino. The whole song was in five. This couple got out there and danced just like they were dancing the Waltz of Matilda the whole way through. Didn't it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> they jumped right over him, and they they missed you know five complete downbeats, and but then they joined back. It's all four four, you know. When it comes right down to it, sure, you arrive at the end at the same time. It's just <laughs> right. around. How you get there? Yeah, watching us playing and watching them dance was a little too weird. Yeah, I would that would mess me up maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I, I saw his foot hit the floor, but it was not on my downbeat, so I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I like I like dance music. I do like dance music. I mean, I heard a guy play the other day, this banjo player, I bet you know him, Adam Hurt. Yeah, he's actually a Minnesota guy. He is the mamma jamma of the claw hammer banjo, man. He is. He's a master. He was, it's like nuclear science, you know, and it's so beautiful. And I think that's, you know, that's become my like favorite music of all things because it's got a simplicity to it and it's honest and it strikes all of the, all of those notes that make us march <laughs> into right. battle and make us, make us do things, you know, that would normally do. Well, but it also just brings people together. It, oh, that's what yeah. it does. That's the whole thing is like there were, you know, there's a triad that was played when people were marching into war with swords and things. And that's, it's pretty much still the same. We're still marching to the same big note. We don't have swords. It's a tribal thing, sort of, almost. Absolutely. Music is a social thing. Like, that's that's the whole... And you can even dance offbeat to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to clobber it. You, you, you can, you can uh, find your own shape, you know. And it's kind of how I look at it all, the shapes. Uh, that kind of music, dance music, and just music that everybody can uh, have a little part in. That's the enjoyable. That's the we got a weekly, well, a bi-weekly, every other week square dance up here that is endured for like 40 years, you know, and it's the same deal. It's just people, I mean, there's the new generations come to it, you know, and you can go down there and find a, find a square where you, you fuck up half the time and nobody cares, or you could be super serious about it and get in the square where everybody wants to hit every move exactly right. You know, it's just like, but in the end, everybody's there just to sweat it out in this low ceiling room together to an old time band, you know? <laughs> Sounds like Big Joe's Poker Show. There used to be a show on down here. And I think it came from Wisconsin somewhere. Oh, I know what you're talking about. He had a different vest every week, yeah, but he was huge. And uh, I, I think he passed away. I think you're right. I think it was recent. People danced the entire time, different polka bands. But this, you know, the square dance thing is one of my earliest memories is of watching this cousin of mine, a woman, play fiddle for these square dances when I was a tiny, tiny kid. And she was so powerful. She was really, really famous for that part of the area for playing dances. You know, you couldn't do it yeah. if it wasn't for her. Didn't that work? Right. Yeah, it's a great yeah. tradition. To, to to keep going sounds like they've done it that's all yeah man so that was one of that was one of your early influences then is watching your cousin fiddle for square dances how did you uh can you talk about 
kind of how you got into playing the dobro or how you got into this music early on? You're from Ohio originally, right? Was there I'm from Ohio music? originally, but my my people are my my people are all from the south, so we'd go back to to uh, West Virginia and down in those parts where they were from, go back there to visit their folks, and uh, we would end up going somewhere on a Saturday night where there was music. You know, it was live music. Didn't cost you a thing to get in there. Somebody's store, I think, is where we went. Somebody old okay. country store. Everybody just jammed in there. Nobody stole a loaf of bread while they were in there, anything like that. But it, <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> Unless they were hungry. I I did. You know? <laughs> Can't say anything about some of my cousins, you know. <laughs> that, it, that was where everybody, you know, like you say, that's where the gathering was. And they came in there and and they played and they they just pushed them a bunch of things back and they just stomped the floor, the old wooden floor. Man, it's cool. And but my dad played guitar too, and so and he he had a bluegrass band. He's always had a bluegrass band. He's eighty seven. He just stopped having having a band i mean he just doesn't want to do that anymore but so i grew up watching that watching those guys rehearse and they were good they could have been pros but they all worked in the steel mills and and you know all the st- things that had trickled down from that and so they all had jobs but um i watched them play and uh i played guitar first then i played mandolin when i was like five and when i was about 11, I got a Dobro and started listening okay. to Uncle Josh Graves with Flat Drugs and then to Mike Aldridge. And yeah. Then I got a job playing with the Country Gentlemen, who were like the cream of the crop at that time, like the big, the big, big band. I just got yeah. lucky. And, and I don't know, I met Tony Rice and Ricky, Ricky Skaggs was in the band with me in the Country Gentlemen. So it, it was a natural progression, you know. Ricky and I have been friends since I was 16. He was 18 and, and, uh, and Keith Whitley was 18. You know, all these guys were around then. That was one That was one of those times when all of a sudden there were all these young guys that could really play and sing and took the music up a bar. Sure, yeah. Just find that find that community where it's just it's all happening. It's like... Yeah, and, and you meet people that are coming into that, you know, like that's how I fail and Sam Bush and, and Mark Connor and that's so crazy it's so crazy to think about yeah yeah we one of the tunes we picked up cincinnati reg i think we learned to play with you at first avenue and we all learned that off of a video of you jamming with those guys back in you know it must have been the early 80s or something it looks like right oh yeah and that's a that's a really old fiddle tune you know so so uh, yeah. i learned that i learned that thing when i was probably 14 15 years old and then just messed with it and kept changing it but um, yeah, those things they stick around. They're they're fun to play. They're a little challenging, uh, but that's I just push you a little farther for sure. And you know, and I met uh, from from playing in these different bands with JD Crow and then the Tony Rice and Dave, David Griffin, Jerry Garcia. You know, all these people that that come into um, that orbit. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And playing on sessions here in town, I and I started meeting you know rock and roll guys and and, uh, and, and James Taylor and Eric Clapton, and I won't drop any more names. <laughs> <laughs> it just it just starts to get you. You just get in this 
in this flow and all of these people drop in and out of it. So you make all these acquaintances and, you know, lifetime friends with people you thought you'd never meet, you know, that play music like Yeah. Yeah, it's just amazing. So when you moved down to Nashville, you're like, this is it, I'm home. This is what I've been, this is what I've been looking for. Well, I didn't know that at first, but I happened to get here at the right time uh, when Amy Lou Harrison was really getting hot, getting popular, and, and then Ricky, Ricky jumped out there, and this whole new traditional country movement started here in Nashville. So I was, right. yeah, I got to play as much as I wanted to and sort of burned out on it from doing three sessions a day, you know, and then cutting it down to two. And, and but, you know, being at home, being at home every day, but still it's, it's, uh, it's music and you don't know it until you get there. You just try to make it better than it was when you found it. And, oh, you know, it just, then the music changed and it, and it didn't, I didn't really like it as much and also you know, from that, then my instrument really didn't fit into that, and I got more back. That's when Allison Krausel, so. Yeah. Right. I guess I did that for 20 years. I was going to say, that was a pretty significant part of your career, too. Oh, definitely, and loved it, you know, and still do whenever I get a chance to do it. So then I've, you know, written so many songs and put out so many different records of my own that, you know, I have a band. I have two or three bands at this point. Just depends on what needs to go out, and we've sort of divided the year up into things like that. Do you know who you're bringing to Blue Ox at this point? Yeah, what can you tell us about the Jerry Douglas Band? What can we expect at the festival this year? Daniel Daniel Kimbrough playing the bass. Uh, he was playing with the Earls when I was there, but he had come into the Earls replacing Barry Bales at that point. But okay. he's been playing bass with me and my crazy songs for a long time. And Mike Field is some, this nuts. Uh, electric guitar phenomenon it will be with us and i think we will probably have a fiddle player too not exactly sure if that's going to be christian settlemeyer or not but yeah we'll be slamming it will be metal grass. <laughs> <laughs> that's great all right i can't wait to hear that i know i'm looking forward to it for sure yeah yeah it's fun it's slamming we're doing a lot of dates with John Hyatt this year. Oh, that's cool. That's nice. really going to be fun. And uh, but I got a full schedule. I'm going. I'm going up to New York. I'm doing Saturday Night Live. Really? With Halsey. Oh, cool! Wow, that's awesome, man. It takes me all over the place. I mean, it, bluegrass isn't the only thing that comes out. You know, it's this mixture of things. So I've been doing some work with her, so I'm going to do Saturday Night Live with her. And then go straight to Scotland. Oh, boy. My plate is pretty full these days. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I wanted to ask... You have quite a uh, catalog of projects that you've recorded on. Was something like sixteen hundred recordings that you've been a part of? Do you have a most memorable one, or one that really stands out as like, oh, that was that was something that was pretty damn cool to be a part of? There've been there've been a few. There've been a few. Like Circle Circle Two was really fun. I mean, probably the most like really being employed that I've ever been, where we did two weeks of recording at the same chair with the same microphone for two weeks, right? And But that, it was great. I mean, all these people that came through there. But there, a couple of James Taylor records have been really great. The, the stuff that really stands out is like the Strength in Numbers, a record I made with Sam and Bush and Bela Fleck and Mark yeah, yeah. Connor and Mr. Meyer. Uh, that was a, a landmark for me. And new favorite, I think, from uh, the first Allison record that I made with them. was just, It was just such an amazing uh, feeling being in the studio and make that the music was so beautiful, you know? They had great voices. 
and everybody else was really on their on their on the on their toes on the job, and and it was uh, it was just really pleasant, really pleasant music and fun to do. A lot of laughing, a lot of crazy. You know, still remember a lot of a lot of things like that. I I, I remember a lot of all of it actually. I should write it down because uh, I I don't know. It's just a a lot of people are writing books and. Their memory's different than mine. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I might have to set the record straight on some things. That's right. <laughs> Jerry sets it straight. That'll be the name of your memoir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've been, uh, I have some, some, some information. Um, <laughs> I've, I've got some intellectual property that I would like to zone commercial. Uh, yep. Cash in, man. <laughs> I'm going to have to wait a long time, though, because this is going to piss a lot of people off. Yeah. <laughs> when you figure out how to say no, that's when you can start saying yes to the book contract. When you don't see me everywhere, all of a sudden, you'll know that I'm sitting down typing somewhere. <laughs> but, you know, I can't complain. Everything's great. Yeah, seems like it. You're keeping busy, making good music. Hey, and so. you know... That, that Duluth gig that we did where I got up there and my dobra didn't make it. Yeah, we were going to talk about that. That was incredible uh, because we, you know, got the word out there on that on the radio station and we we got seven dobros that night. <laughs> yep. A pedal board, you know, everything. I mean, I'm thinking about doing a tour where I don't take anything with me. <laughs> Just to see what turns up? Yeah. You know, everybody bring your dobro or whatever it is you want me to play and I'll, I'll play it. You know? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty magical. I mean, I was ready to play a Telecaster that night with the strings raised up. You know, I just kind of figured that's what was going to happen. Yep. Just roll with the punches for sure. Instead, you played a, a good dobro with your own pickup in it, after all. Yeah, that was amazing. A really beautiful Shearhorn guitar shows up with my pickup that I play through in, in the guitar. So it solved all the problems. It, and the other guys brought that brought the dobros too you know they they were any of them i could have played any of them it was a wonder it was amazing it was a testament to the dobro popularity itself you know like there are enough people that know what it is now i don't have to find what's a dobro yeah right exactly well i'm glad we didn't have to uh we didn't have to get you to ham bone that night or clog along with cartier yeah i could have got on the on the plank up there and danced along yeah (laughs) I would have loved to have seen that. <laughs> we wouldn't let that happen. Well, it was inspiring for us. I mean, we I got your text on as we're coming over the hill and looking down on all of Duluth, and I get the text like, well, I'm here, but not my guitar and none of my gear. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, oh, crap. <laughs> it was inspiring just to, like how cool you were about it. You're like, well, we'll see what happens. And, you know, fortunately it all worked out beautifully thanks to our buddy Tim Lukib, who sent the call around to everyone in the state that owns a Dobro who might have been in the area at the time. <laughs> it's just really, really, yeah, I wasn't nervous about it. I thought, you know, sometimes you just can't do anything about it. Right. The worst thing you can do is get all wild up about it, start yelling at people that have nothing to do with it. And right. uh, that's, that's where it goes wrong. You know, somebody loses it over something like that. I mean, that was, it worked out fine. It worked out great. 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a good lesson for us as a young band that, you know, sometimes the things you stress about aren't that big. It all works out in the end. But uh, when when things get steamy in the van or we get a little, uh, the tensions run high, we always put on some James Taylor to soothe down the nerves. Yep. So now, we, now we'll have to look for those recordings where you're on his projects and spin those. <laughs> <laughs> Go for some, like, really slow Ray Charles. That'll bring every, put everybody right back where they're supposed to be. Every time. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Sage advice. There's a song called Drowning in My Own Tears. No, oh, I know that one. One of the slowest songs in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it has everything. <laughs> well, we'll spin it. I'll put it on my playlist. Yeah, we'll definitely put that on there. Yeah. Joni Mitchell will get you there, too, you know? Absolutely. God, I love Joni. Yep. Well, we don't want to keep you too long, but we just had like we always try and do like a little uh, lightning round or like a, a round of fast questions to throw you off and make you feel uncomfortable and maybe uh, pick away at your brain a little bit more. <laughs> Any kind of pre-show rituals that you stand by over the years, like <laughs> something you need to do or something you need to to drink or anything like that before before a show? No, I have something that I say. Okay. I get out, I get the guys up, up next to the curtain, you know, about to go out, and we don't like getting old, and here they are, you know, we don't do that. We we just mm-hmm. kind of walk out on our own. If they, you know, if people come there, they kind of, I hope they know who we are. And so we walk out, but right before we do, I ripped off uh, Jim Lauderdale. This is a funny guy. Yeah, I know him. I was out on the road with him for a couple of years uh, with Elvis Costello, and every night, he would say this, and why I started saying it. That you say, boys, there have been a lot of great acts on this stage. Now let's go wipe the floor with them. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's great. Besides that, there's really no ritual. Just, just try to keep it as light as possible. You know, if you, if, if you see people like going off in the corner and talking to themselves, it's time to reel them back in, get it, yeah. you know, make them drink something, take something, do something to, to quit that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get out there. This is fun. Do you know how lucky we are to be, to be able to do this for a living? Uh, you know, oh, right. it, it should be fun from top to bottom. Yeah. And all the way up, all the time. That's great, man. Pass number one. Okay. Absolutely, you passed. You passed flying colors. I don't know if we should even go on, but we will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, any kind of must-have rider items? Do you, do you like? If I got a, if I, if I'm playing a show, I would really love to have. Well, I know you don't drink anymore. I'm sure maybe at one point it was a bottle of scotch. Ooh, but, boy, uh, yeah, we used to have a really great rider, and I always had a really good bottle of scotch on it. Man, and that was oh, kind of missed that. But, uh, no, the, you know, but that doesn't mean the other guys don't have stuff on the rider that they want. I'm not going to be cool about this. And, but I like, I like, uh, Pellegrino. Yeah. Oh, that stuff's good. That I get that and some lemon something and mix that up into a big old cowboy drink of some kind. And yep. that'll do it, man. That takes care of it. So when you go on the road, are you guys are you guys in a bus usually, or do you kind of fly in and rent a car? It's all different, you know. It depends on how many dates are with it. But you, we use we like buses. Okay. Oh boy, everything's on the bus. They're with you. You know, you don't have to take everything off, and and yeah, it's always with you. Always know where your gear is and your guitar. <laughs> 
in uh, it's not somewhere between Chicago and Duluth. Yeah, <laughs> the second your second home, you know, it's the comforts of home around there. Yeah, are there any restaurants that a bus driver knows he has to stop at? He or she has to stop at when you're in the bus. I've traveled enough that I know where I am by the restaurant I'm sitting in before the before <laughs> the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, like a Oh, 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 no, I'm thinking about uh, Seattle, where there's a great deli. Uh, I can't remember the name of it right now, but that's where I'm going. That's where you can find me. And, uh, yeah, yep. yeah, in Minneapolis, um, I don't know. I've eaten at the Dakota so many times. I love that place. Uh, sure, yeah, you've played there quite a bit. But I, I call up Leo Kotke and, and rattle his cage if he's in town, and, and we'll go somewhere mm-hmm. close by there and eat, get something to eat. Um, sure. Yeah, oh, there's so many good things to eat there. Next time you're having dinner with Leo Kotke, make sure you call me up. I want to be, <laughs> I want to be there to join you guys. He's one of my all-time favorites. <laughs> I don't do very much eating because he's so funny. Then I'd be joking <laughs> if I tried to eat anything. So I just kind of sit and watch him eat and talk. And um, uh, there's the uh, the home of the butter knife steak. Where's that? That's uh. Murray's. Murray's, yeah. Yeah, Classic. you know what I'm talking about. Yep, yeah. right downtown. There's just a smattering of Minneapolis there. But yeah, I have definite, you know, especially when you get into the Northeast, and I, uh, I'll stop the bus at Lobster Shack, you know. Um, I know you're a hat guy, like Nate. Is there a hat that you travel with everywhere you got to have, or you got to, like Nate, have 10 hats you can choose from? <laughs> I, I try to only have one hat. Because that that gets crazy. When I was with, with with Elvis Costello, he had a he had a cardboard box that had about ten hats in it, and I sent off while we were on the road and got one of these expanding hat boxes so he could put them all in there. And then, but his road manager had to carry it then because it was so nice, and he hated me for that. And uh, <laughs> I like I got a nice Borsellino when I was in Florence, Italy last summer because I. I was because I was there, and that's where they make them. So I got one. Yeah, right, yeah. Nice souvenir. The Coo Brothers from Australia. Yeah, I know them. They're like, uh, yeah, they like the Stetson of Australia. I, but I just like that kind of hat. I'm not a big cowboy hat wearer, but uh, I tried a couple times. Ain't just not me. Yep, the felt fedora never goes out of style. It's practical. No, and 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 if you if something happens to it, you can find one in the next town. Yep. For sure. All right. Uh, Beatles or Stones? Stones. Well, wait, Beatles. I'm a man. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute, Stones. (laughs) Depends on the time of day, maybe. That's that's really not a fair question. It's not. It's not at all fair. (laughs) (laughs) It's not at all fair to anybody. Saw them both play. My wife saw the Beatles and the Stones play live that's pretty sweet i saw the stones but they were 70 <laughs> yeah me too that's when i saw them <laughs> feel amazing and i loved every second of it i'd love to see the beatles I, doing that but i'd somehow think they would just be counting money somewhere you know except for paul maybe I, yeah it's hard to say he's got the best band he's had since the beatles too you know yeah ringo's ringo's still playing music too Yep, Ringo's out there knocking it down. They play together. I mean, I think Dave Grohl's with both of them. I mean, and Dave Grohl's from the same town I'm from in Ohio. Min Warren. Yeah, we talked. We sat down and talked about the steel mills and everything one day at a Grammy thing. Yeah. Uh huh. But I, I, I love Keith Richards, man. I love and uh, just his his whole lifestyle thing. You yeah. Know, that he's 
Amazing. Somebody, somebody said, I may have told you guys, that Willie Nelson said, you millennials better get your shit together because what kind of planet are you going to leave me and Keith Richards? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gold right there. I'd add Sam Bush to that list, but make it a trio, you know? Sam's the same. Yeah. Right. He's just not as old as them. No. He's had it thrown at him, and he's still kicking hard, too. Sure is. Yeah, he's coming back to Blue Ox this year. We'll all yep. get to play together. It'll be fun. God, Make his I'd triumphant so. return. He had to be out last year, health complications. Yeah, but he's way back from that. And he's, he came to tell you right and played tell you right. He didn't shake his head as hard as he normally would. I think he's mm-hmm. trying to keep everything, trying to keep everything together, you know? But yeah, uh, literally. literally. <laughs> 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 we, should, we should all follow that kind of. But he, he's doing great. He's killing it. He's out there right now. He's out on the road someplace, I'm sure. All right. How about this one? Sam Bush or David Grisman? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Set you up there. <laughs> That's why I asked Ronnie McCurry, who is – no, I love those on-the-spot questions, though. I asked uh, Ronnie McCurry who his favorite band member was and who his least favorite band member was. <laughs> and he actually <laughs> answered <laughs> Was it the same guy, both of them? It, it, it was, uh, his favorite was his brother, which is really sweet. Um, and his least favorite was very diplomatic. He answered himself, least favorite band member. Oh, that, <laughs> that will not stand. <laughs> no. I let him, I let him off the hook. I didn't, I didn't push him on it. But I did ask him this question. Yeah. Indica or sativa? <laughs> yeah. In the couch or, yeah. Um. <laughs> In the couch or is. Yeah, that's a hard one. You just don't feel, you know, it's like mom enjoy things. Someday you feel like a nut. Right, and sometimes you don't. That's totally it. <laughs> that's it. You, you got which, you know, it just depends on what was the first thought in your mind when you got up. When you woke up uh-huh. with your eyes open. Right. That's, that's. You've made your decision at that point, I think. Do I have energy or do I not have energy? <laughs> do I just want to hang right here or do I need to get inspired to do something great today? Or should I just be a couch potato? Yeah, yep. <laughs> well, I don't think we have anything else for you. We really thank you for hanging out with us for another hour, stealing your time. Yeah, it's been so great. <laughs> oh, it's great. Great talking to you. I'm glad you got, I'm glad we could do this. And I'm really looking forward to seeing you guys again and playing Blue Ox, and it's going to be a blast. It will be. Hopefully we get a chance to jam. We're going to jam. We're going to jam. We're going to jam, yeah. And I also just want to be a fly on the wall to listen to you and Sam chit-chat. I think that would be... (laughs) (laughs) We only talk about one person, Sam. Great. I'm gonna. We're leaving that in the podcast. You did. You re- even recorded it. Uh, he knows. <laughs> he knows. I mean it. <laughs> oh man! All right, Jerry. Well, thank that you so much. Right, yeah, take yeah, care. We'll Jerry. see you in June. Yeah. Okay. See you, right. boys. 
Thanks for listening to the podcast. We look forward to making a few more of these in the run-up to the festival. We'd also like to thank a few sponsors of the festival. Bell's Brewing, Tattersall Distilling, Nicolay Law Offices, Bent Paddle Brewing, The Brewing Project, Sociable Ciderworks, Vodersheim Winery and Distillery, TravelWisconsin.com, The Hampton Inn by Hilton, Waste Management, Rooney Printing Company, and Jimmy Love's Bloody Mary Mix. I'd like to give a real quick shout-out to our friends over at the Denver Jamgrass Podcast. Check out their streams for some good music, and we'll see you next time on Road to Blue Ox. Don't go home.